Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Miss Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. I'll let you know why in a minute. You can follow me at Kenny McGee on the Twitter and at Kenny underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, that W-A-R Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday for a sneak peek right here on YouTube. The audio version you can catch at War on Anchor once again at W-A-R-R on Anchor. We are available on podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. So you can catch our podcast version there. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, for more details. And you can follow us on all social media accounts. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. We are unpodgically fun, and we have very definite opinions. Mm -hmm. Before we get started, Lakina, for those of you uh, listening exclusively on our audio page, uh, our audio version, and you can see behind me, those of you watching, obviously, on YouTube, I have two White Sox jerseys that I ordered a couple of weeks ago. It, it, it arrived to my house. There's the um, Frank Thomas uh, Southside jersey and the Tim Anderson softball star light jersey. For those of you who like to check out the further pictures, you can go to my Twitter page at CK80. It's the first, first tweet pinned at the top. Which jer- Because, first of all, I am, of course, going to the Cubs-Sox game uh, this coming Saturday at Wrigley Field, the Holy Cathedral, as we Sox fans call it, that dump. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. a couple people there are going already. I'll let you know who that is in a minute. But um, I'm, I needed help from White Sox Nation, everybody who's a White Sox fan. If you're not a White Sox fan, as long as you're not a jerk, you can vote too. So vote in the comment section but on both uh, Twitter and Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80 for both Twitter and Instagram. Voting ends this Friday at 11 p.m. Chicago time. Once again, voting ends at 11 p.m. Chicago time this Friday. So put your vote in the comment section of both my pages. Should I wear the Frank Thomas? Or the Tim Anderson jersey. It's just that simple. Folks are coming in hot and heavy already. So if you're voting, voting on Twitter, it's the first tweet pinned at the top. You cannot miss it. So mm. thank you very much for your support already. For those of you who haven't voted yet, please go vote uh, at CKAD on Twitter and CKAD on Instagram. And I know one person who's going already, um, friend of the show, she's doing her thing in Oklahoma City. That's uh, Miss Brittany Tulis. Mm. I'd like to shout her out friend of the show. She'll be there in attendance on Saturday. Hope, hope to meet you in person, Brittany, again, be, before or after the game. And shout out to, we didn't get a chance to link up, but she was in the building, as I, as I said in our last episode, I was at the Sox games this weekend. Christy Manica from uh, from K, KX, or if I said it right, KXRB Radio in yep, Sioux Falls, it. South Dakota. She was, in, she was in the building on Saturday uh, watching Sox and Indians. I was there too. I was there on Sunday as well. We review that series with the White Sox. It's just a moment. So shout out to both the both the ladies, friends of the show. Oh yes. Well yeah. Well hopefully, you know, say say hello to, uh, to Brittany Born Brittany for me if you see her this weekend. All right. So we'll, we'll do. Yeah. So um let's let's get right to it because we got a lot to talk about today on this early it is you know first first day of August. Well you know first you know first week of August first show of August I should say um, the White Sox, we'll start with them first. Um, 
I don't want to say struggles because look, it's look, it's a long season. You're gonna have you know little you know hiccups here and there. Now you know they got you know, they won two out of three against Cleveland. You know, kind of putting them in the rearview mirror. They're now as of this recording nine and a half up. Brian Goodwin. I mean, good grief. I mean. The fact that it even got to it even got to that point, I mean, it's just sort of weird, you know. He had you know, the cool backflip, you know, the the walk off home run, you know, the break the tie, and they ended up winning the series, which they needed to because you know they would have lost series if they didn't. So they did just know they had that weird like 12-11. <laughs> lost that weird you know, the heartbreaker 12-11, 12-11 on Saturday night, and then they had they won you know the Friday um, matinee at you know six to four. But again, you know what, look, you do what you're supposed to do in these series, you know, you got Kimbrell had, you know, had some of his struggles, but, you know, looked really good on, on Sunday. Tapera had his struggle too, but he looked really good, you know, in the, in the, um, in the, um, in the matinee um, series, you know, you know, for this, for this part anyway. So Sid, what do you think? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that the hitting was good, you know, everything starting to mesh, you know, Eloy had to rest, just a whole lot of weird stuff going on. So what, what do you think? So what, what, what did you think of this series with the Indians for the White Sox? I'll start off with Saturday's game. Of course, I was there, and uh, the electricity with 36,000 people in that ballpark was tremendous, even though the Sox came up short uh, after the bullpen uh, blew it. Uh, Sebi Savala, shout out to him. His first three major league home runs were his first three at-bats. You, you got to be kidding me, including that grand slam early in the game. That the, that place was up for grabs. But uh, during that game, the bullpen didn't have it. Michael Kopech didn't have it. Uh, Ryan Tapero, who I think is going to be fine eventually, uh, he struggled in his first uh, two outings as a member of the White Sox, broke the Friday game in, this, uh, in the game last Saturday. But as you mentioned, Craig Kimball, uh, he's proven his worth right now. And I like as we said, we talked about in our last episode with uh, Jordan Lazowski, our good friend from Sox on 35th. Uh, that's a perfect settle for that bullpen for the White Sox. You have Kopech, Tapera, and then Kimbrough in the center for Liam Hendricks. You can't beat that. But Kimbrough has been doing the job so far. Uh, he got a nice ovation both days from the fans here in Chicago, and, uh, and he did his thing. Uh, one reliever that had a good game on Sunday that got unnoticed was Aaron Bummer. Now, does this put pressure on Aaron Bummer to do his best? Because if he doesn't, uh, he's been given chance after chance throughout this whole season. He's been inconsistent. If you're Aaron, Aaron Bummer, you must show your stuff now because if you don't, you'll be left off the playoff roster. Yeah, and I think that's probably why he had such a great eyes. I think he realized, oh, wait, we got Tapera now. We got Craig Kimball. We got, like, veteran, mm-hmm. you know, relievers. You know, of course, you know, you know Kimball being a closer. I think he kind of, you know, that wakes you up and say, oh, wait a minute. I better get my my act together before I get mm-hmm. left out of the cold in the playoff roster. So, look, I think Bumper probably looked the best he's he's looked all season. So, and look, I know you're not a big fan of him, Sid, but, uh, I, you know, but I, I think that, Look, I think he did what he needed to do, what he did what he's supposed to do. And look, it, the Sox did what they had to do was win the series against the Indians to kind of put them in the rearview mirror. Now, they're in the middle of their series against Kansas City. It starts tonight. For those of you who are going to listen to this on Tuesday, tomorrow, you know, that's 7-10. Tonight, I should say that 7-10. So no reason why. I know you had trouble getting the Royals in Kansas City last week, losing three out of four. But you can kind of do a little payback and a little – a little get back of that, of course, we'll get to it on Friday with you know the weekend series against the against the Cubs. Then after Minnesota, you got four against New York. They're starting you know to look you know pretty good. Also to Oakland, and also to Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay, and also to at Toronto. We'll talk about Toronto a little later on how they look mm-hmm. in their first games back in Toronto. So 
starting to get a little bit, you know, get a little you know, harder with the scheduling. So this is sort of like a positioning thing for the White Sox. But again, going back to, Cle- to the Cleveland series, I mean, look, they did what they had to do. You know, you're 62 and 44 as, this, as of this recording. You're nine and a half up on the Indians to kind of, you know, put them away. You're going to win the divisions. It's, it's actually too early to do the whole magic number thing, but they are going to win a division, the White Sox are, unless they completely collapse, which I don't think they should. There's no reason why they should, but, you know, look, this team has looked really good. Now, again, we'll see how they do against the teams I mentioned later this month, but you really can't complain too too much right now if you're a White Sox fan. You made some good trades too, and not having to give up a couple of your top prospects. So, I, I gotta think you gotta think look it up for White Sox fans. I think. Yeah, and plus you're getting your key guys back uh, in the coming weeks because we talked about Eloy last week. I know he he was on the shelf for the weekend series against Clay because he had a hamstring problem. Hopefully he'll be- bounce back soon. Uh, Luis Robert, he may be back sooner than we think. Well, stay tuned for that. Of course, Yasmani Grandon is supposed to be back at the end of the month. Uh, I know Zach Collins has been up and down in terms of hitting, but do you really want him starting as your catcher come playoff time? Not yet. I know Sebi Savala has been swinging a hot stick lately, but do you trust him to be a starting catcher in the playoffs? Not yet. Uh, he's new, so he has to learn his ropes and learn the ways of playing major league baseball so when you get Yasmani Grandal back behind the play hopefully by the end of this month the things should be set at catcher now as we said before Lakina uh, in the last few episodes this is the month of August these are the dog days you get your guys back and you facing tougher teams uh, they they need to be tested and, and Tony LaRusso is going to have these guys ready because this is playoff baseball you face in playoff caliber teams minus Minnesota Kansas City and some of the other teams they have on the schedule for this month. But uh, getting most of your guys back is great. They need to learn how to play playoff baseball right now. And it starts right now with the toughest um, uh, month of the, of the season because, as you mentioned, it's a long season. And the Sox, I think, got a taste, uh, just a little bit of taste of that last weekend against Cleveland. Uh, they'll they'll get a little bit of it against Kansas City, even though you should sweep them. But and before you head up north to face uh, the bad guys uh, in the friendly mm-hmm. confines this weekend, even though they have a triple A roster on paper, you know, those games between them and the Cubs are legendary. So you had to be ready for that. Oh, no, not absolutely. And look, you always throw the records out the window when the two teams, you know, play each other. So, look, I'm sure, look, I know it's a triple A roster right now for Cubs fans, but I'm sure those guys. Ross will have those guys ready. So we'll, we'll get to the Cubs in a little bit, but finishing up our, our conversation with the White Sox. Is there anybody on the team that you're worried about at this point? Or is this just, look, you're going to the dog days of summer. You got about a couple of months left in the season. You know, I think this sort of, it, it, the schedule could get a lot tougher in the you know, sorry, next week. So is there any, like anything, you know, is the hitting concerning you? Is the pitching is a little bit, you know, concerning, I know. Some of the you know the starters have not had you know good outings the last you know the maybe within the last you know couple of starts, but is there anything that really like kind of you know sort of like you're a little freaked out by? Yeah, Dallas Keuchel, and I was there yeah. on Saturday. He looked good in the first uh, three three and a half innings, but uh, during the fourth, the fifth, and in the top of the uh, top of the sixth for Cleveland, uh, he just didn't have it, and that's been the trend over his last four or five starts. Number two, Dylan Cease. Yeah, he did not. No, he did yeah, not look uh, good at 
Yeah, his last start wasn't good, and I think he still has the best stuff on his staff, but he he's been struggling his last couple of starts. And number three, Brian Goodwin. Yes, he had the game winner on Sunday, and it was exciting to see, but mm-hmm. his play in, in right field on Saturday Saturday was just terrible. Adam Engel, I'm not going to put him on this list, but I, th- I thought he had a bad angle uh, on one of those fly balls out there, but he's brought value to the team. But the three guys that I'm concerned about right now is Brian Goodwin, Dallas Keuchel, and Dylan Caesar. We talked about this with Jordan Lazowski in our last episode last week. Uh, who's your top three starters if the White Sox uh, should, if the playoffs should start today for the White Sox? Clearly, it's Lance Lynn. I believe it's Giolito number two. Yep. Number three is Carlos Rodon. And you thought Dallas Keiko would be a shoe in for that third start at the beginning of the year, but that's not the case right now. Yeah, and I think that's going to be sort of the thing where hopefully they can get together and it's just, you know, Maybe it's just like, you know, hey, a typical season and you know, like a long season and you're kind of making adjustments. And look, I'm not worried if if by their next start, you know, Keiko and C's have, you know, follow up with some, you know, really bad starts. It's even worse than their last than their last. I mean, yeah, you're going to. Yeah, you may have a cause for concern. Yes, yeah, so, and this should be interesting from for this month of August for the Chicago White Sox. Right now, we're going to bring on friends of the show. He's a, a sports reporter and editor at News Radio 780 and 105.9 uh, WCKG, um, WBBM News Radio in Chicago. He's our good friend and Cubs fan, not to rub it in, but <laughs> Mr. Brad Robinson. Hey. Brad, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing, doing good. good. Where can people follow you on the social media circuit? Uh, Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Brad Robinson eight. All right, Brad. Uh, we will mention, we'll get to the white Sox. Uh, your opinions on the white Sox later, but we brought you on here first to talk about the Cubs. Uh, we, we had you on doing our preview show before the season started. <laughs> and we asked you the question, who was going to stay, who was going to go. Of course, Craig Kimbrough was, uh, was one, uh, he was the last to go one of the last, uh, players to go for the Cubs. He went to the White Sox, but uh, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Anthony Rizzo all all packed their bags <laughs> at the same time. As Lakeith, her tears for all the fans out there. Uh, Brad, did you expect a, a total uh, house cleaning? I didn't expect. It. I expected Craig Campbell to go and and maybe Baez or Bryant, but I didn't expect a, a full uh, cleaning house. I did. I'm not, you know, I'm not a Cubs fan, but this was a total shock to me. Yeah, I think, um, I think it was expected that Chris Bryant was going to end up being traded if they weren't competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kimbrell and Chafin and Tapera, you know, all those relievers um, were a very good bet to get traded. Rizzo and Baez surprised me a little bit. You know, I think everybody thought Rizzo was kind of going to be a lifer here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that surprised me a little bit. Javi, I know there's... Um, you know, giving Javi a big extension, it's a little, he's a great player. It's a little questionable though, because so much of what he does is based on his outstanding athletic ability. So when he loses a little bit of a step there, you know, he's not a guy with great plate recognition. He's not a, you know, he's a guy that once he slows down a little bit, it's going to show a lot. So um, I understand, I, I think I was expecting of the position players, him to be the second most likely to go. Rizzo surprised the heck out of me. I thought eventually they'd let the season play out and they'd figure it out uh, on a contract extension. But but losing all three in a 24-hour window, that is, uh, it's pretty jarring for Cubs fans. And, and frankly, they have a right to be pretty upset about it. 
Yeah, and if you read um, Tom Ricketts' um, statement afterwards, you know, just to stick it in the Cubs fans' hearts. I mean, come on, it would hurt a lot less. Um, it's just absurd. But what about the prospect that they got? I mean, they got some pretty good ones. You know, fortunately, the Giants were able to keep some of their top guys, you know, in the Bryan deal. So, you know, do you see some upside with some of these, you know, prospects that they, that they have coming back? Well, uh, they're young. They're 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 pretty much all in the lower levels of the minor leagues, which is either rookie ball or A ball. Um, you know, a, a couple sprinkled in who might be in Double A AA or Triple A. You know, obviously uh, Madrigal is a, a major league ready piece, yes. but uh, you know these prospects. It's hard to tell because you don't get a chance to watch a lot a lot of them play. The people who do watch them tend to vary quite a bit on where they rank. They didn't get these big top hundred prospect types, but like I said, they're they're lower level minors, so they very well could build into that. Pipeline uh, MLB Pipeline and Fangraphs have two very different opinions of this haul, but both agree that the Cubs rebuilt their system with all these deals. Now, whether that comes out to play their prospects for a reason, a lot of them won't pan out. Some of them might. You know, it's all a crapshoot, but. Uh, Fangraph says they added four of their top 10 prospects through these deals. And this includes the Darvish deal going back to the, to the uh, preseason. Uh, 11 of their top 30 prospects came out of these deals. Uh, MLB Pipeline isn't quite as impressed. I think they, they brought in their sixth, seventh, and eighth top organizational prospects, and then a bunch in the you know, 11 to 30 range. But uh, Fangraphs uh, thinks they got their the organization's second, third, and seventh best prospects. So uh, there's no doubt the top part of their uh, farm system was was undoubtedly rebuilt through this. Whether they pan out, we'll see. Brad Robinson from News Radio 780 105.9 FM in, in Chicago, friend of the show, is joining us here on Second City Sports. Sid and Lakina here with you. Brad, well, let's go back to GM Jed Hoyer. Of course, this is going to be under his tenure now with Theo now working with the front office in Major League Baseball. Of course, I heard some projections. If you listen to Chicago Sports Radio over the weekend, uh, some people that may have them back in contention by 2023, 2024, may even 2025. I wanted to ask you, how long do you think this will will, will how long do you think that Cubs fans will give Jed Hoyer the uh, the rope to turn this around? How much time do you think that he has? Will is it two years, three years? Because well, I, I think this year, like I said, this this year is a wash. Perhaps maybe next year is a wash as well. But do you think 2023 is the target date or will it be a little bit later? I think if the fans are going to be appeased at all, and uh, I, I don't think they will ever be appeased with losing those three guys they lost because they just mean <laughs> so much to the organization. Yeah. So if you can have these new, new guys come in and win a World Series in 2023. I think overall the fan base will have a still not great feeling about the situation because, you know, Javi Baez and, and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, those, those were the, that was the team that they've all waited their whole lives for, right? Mm-hmm. So to appease the fans might be an impossible task no matter what. I think it's reasonable to, uh, to expect to, them to maybe be competitive by 2023 or 2024, but a lot depends on that. Is there going to be a, a, a lockout because the collective bargaining agreement is up after this season? There very mm-hmm. well could be a work stoppage. Um, how active are they going to be in free agency? We don't know what they're planning to spend in free agency. If they plan to spend it all, you could certainly speed up the process by, by going out and buying some, some, you know, top flight players, but I, who can trust they're going to do that. Right. So right. Uh, it all depends on, on the actual development of these guys who are, 
you know, in their late teens and early 20s. So it, it, putting a timeline on it right now is really difficult, especially with the, the collective bargaining agreement coming up at the end of the year. Yeah, I think those are the two wild cards. I think if mm-hmm. we can all agree on that. So let let's you know, let's 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 go, let's go some, to some happier stuff for a second. I'll talk about the Bears for a second. Oh, the Bears you know, started trading camp. They're going to week two. A lot of buzz going on. You know, both Andy Dalton and also to Justin Fields. You know, they've all they looked really good so far. The defense has looked really good. So, what are your sort of observations? Your synopsis for the Bears season coming up? Seems to be a lot of optimism here. Yeah, well, there's reason for optimism, but I, you know, uh, unlike uh, the Cubs, I, I'm, I'm not so sure the optimism, or I should say, like the Cubs, I'm not so sure the optimism should be geared towards this season specifically. I think the Bears have a pretty bright future, and and Justin Fields has been really impressive, both on and off the field. He's saying all the right things. He's making all the right moves. Uh, You know, he looks like they might have found a really good player. And Andy Dalton has come in and and done a really nice job of kind of taking him under under his wing and understanding his role in this whole thing. So, um, you know, I, I... the Bears quarterback situation has, has never really looked better moving forward, but again, we'll see how things go when the games start. There's a ton of reason for optimism there. Uh, Darnell Mooney, I think that guy's going to have whew, a big, big year, you know, especially, uh, you know, having a little clearer path to getting the ball more frequently. Now I, I, I really like what he's going to bring to the table. So I think there should be reason for optimism, but, Cautious optimism. It's a very difficult schedule this year. Very difficult. And, 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 you know, you got a brand new quarterback learning the league, learning the system, learning his teammates, and he might not even start, you know, he's not likely to start right off the bat either. So uh, there's a steep learning curve. I think you're going to see a great improvement. Maybe not, uh, maybe not elite status yet, but the future's pretty bright at Hallis Hall right now. Sticking with the Bears offense, uh, David Montgomery is going into year three. And Matt Nagy, uh, he's not a coach that likes to run the ball a lot. Of course, I know that's the Bears' identity uh, throughout their history. And, of course, the, the Bears looked good last year, uh, um, so especially after all the injuries to the offensive line. They re- finally ran the ball, and that's what helped them get into the playoffs. Do you expect that same formula to continue uh, this season whenever Justin Fields gets on the field? Or do you think Matt Nagy will go back to his old stepping ways and not run the ball as much? Well, I think a lot of that depends on Justin Fields, right? Uh, Is he able to carry out Matt Nagy's game plan the way Nagy wants him to carry it out? Because, you know, remember when they went back to running the ball last year, a lot of that was because, you know, Trubisky couldn't carry out that, uh, that game plan properly. Mm -hmm. Right. So they, they had to kind of get the ball out of Trubisky's hands. If, uh, if Fields, turns out to be the quarterback we think he might be and he can make these uh, these passes over the middle he can make the deep throws uh, you might see them really shying away more from the running game the way Nagy would prefer it but you know that running the ball more thing that was all out of necessity that wasn't so much out of choice <laughs> and then he'll insult the media and tell me, you don't you don't know football. <laughs> you don't know. You don't I don't football, have a quarterback right? that can run my system, but you right. don't know football. You know, don't know football exactly. Let's go to the defense for a second, Brad. Um, they're a year older. You know, Hicks is coming off of an injury. Roquan Swift has looked great. Eddie Goldman's back, but you don't know how he looks. You know, after opting out last year. Do you think this defense is capable of being like that top 10, top 15 defense that we've seen the last few years? 
Well, they lost a huge part of that defense in Kyle Fuller. You know, it, you can't undersell how important that guy is, especially in today's NFL. So pass heavy to have that lockdown corner. And that is really, really hard to find. And you, you can't really make up for that once you lose a guy like that. So they're going to hurt there. I think a bounce back from Robert Quinn could do a lot to help the uh, the pass rush, which was was missing quite a bit last year because Quinn gave them nothing. So, you know, I we'll see. I, I think top 10 is probably realistic. Uh, maybe top 15, definitely not top five. I don't think without uh, without Fuller, that guy was was a real dude. Going back to the Bears offense, I think we mentioned earlier, Lakina, Allen Robinson, of course, yeah. I said on this program last year that he was going to get franchise tag. That happened, but uh, both sides couldn't come to an agreement as of yet as far as, as, far as a, a long contract uh, extension. Do you think that Allen Robinson stays here for the long haul, or do you think we, we are looking at him for the, last, for the last time this season in the Bears uniform? Well, I think it's pretty likely this will be the last season in a Bears uniform. I feel like if they would have come to a contract agreement on a long-term deal, that probably already would have happened, right? Because you would have wanted this year on that deal right. to mm -hmm. get a year off of the back end, right? So yeah. uh, I think it's probably pretty unlikely. I mean, anything's possible, and maybe he you know, develops a great rapport with uh, Justin Fields and just really likes playing with it. Now, Allen Robinson's never really had a quarterback that he's worked with, right? Throughout his whole career, mm -hmm. he's like a top-five wide receiver in football. He's never had a decent quarterback thrown to him. So maybe his mind changes a little bit if, if him and Fields, you know, really uh, get off to a good start and have a good rapport. But uh, I think overall, it's probably more likely than not this will be his last year here. Do you think this year is a make or break for this regime? Uh, no, I think they bought themselves at least a few years with, with uh, the draft pick of Justin Fields. Because they're, they're going to let, they're going to let Nagy see, you know, they're going to let, Nagy try to develop him. They're going to give him a mulligan mm -hmm. on the, on the Mitch Trubisky thing and all the other quarterbacks they brought in that have been a disaster. And they're going to, they're going to see if Justin Fields is the guy that he can be the quarterback whisperer to. And, uh, and pace, you know, <laughs> they, they basically said here, pace, pick the next quarterback. So, <laughs> you know, you're not going to, you're not going to slice those guys off after a year you're going to give it a few years to see if it's going to develop so i think they're probably safer than they were maybe a year ago halfway home with brian robinson friend of the show from news radio 780 wbbm here in chicago right here on second city sports sitting lakina here with you brian let's go back to baseball I'll talk about the south siders and the chicago white Sox. they're nine and a half games up on the cleveland indians uh, uh they took two uh, two out of three from cleveland over the weekend they made all the moves and most of White Sox Nation are, are pleased, including yours truly. Do you think they're, they'll be the favorites come playoff time, or do you think that a team like Houston or Boston, who are improved by getting Kyle Schwarber, do you think they can uh, give the White Sox a scare come the playoff time? Well, Houston could give them a scare. You know, Houston's been there before. They've done it before. They're an experienced club that's been in the playoffs every year. Uh, Boston, you know, they – They've been in the playoffs quite a bit too, even though they've had their down years and they've had a lot of success. They've been, you know, they, they've got experienced guys. I, you know, even Tampa is a team that's been there before, yeah. even though they're young and cheap, they've all got experience in the playoffs and, and the White Sox don't really. So we'll see. However, um, the White Sox, when they added Craig Kimbrell, they really shortened games because now at the back end of the road, uh, back end of the bullpen, you have Kopik, you have Kimbrel, 
you have Hendricks. Those are three guys that are incredibly difficult to get to. If the White Sox get a lead, even with all the injuries with their offense and some of their offensive problems this year, if the White Sox get a lead in the first six innings, it's going to be extremely difficult to beat them. And in the playoffs, that plays really well. We'll see what we'll see what happens there. So let's go to hardware for a second, Brad, and talk Bulls with you know NBA, you know, free agency starting. You know, there's some buzz and maybe there's some interest between Lazo Ball and the Bulls. Do you think he comes to the Bulls? And if not, who do you think? Who do you think like that point guard would be like that good would be a good fit for them? Well, I think Lonzo Ball would be a really good fit for him. Um but any offer, and it seems like the Bulls are pretty determined to make that happen and it seems like ball is interested in well but the pelicans have a chance to match the offer mm-hmm. pelicans could also do a sign and trade somewhere with him so you know the the ball isn't all in the bulls court they have to kind of hope the pelicans just have interest elsewhere and let him go in order for that to happen so uh, i think lonzo ball that that would be exciting to have uh to have to have zach and vooch and ball all, all on the court at the same time that, that's three legit mb like top tier NBA players, the Bulls haven't had a starting lineup like that in quite some time. So that definitely puts them into the playoff conversation in the East. Uh, Maybe even one of the top four playoff teams in the East. We'll see if that happens. If it doesn't happen, it seems there's some interest in bringing Derek Rose back and, you know, that uh, Derek could really help them as well. And, and I think drafting IO was a, big deal as well it it might take him a little longer to get to speed with the nba game but he's a guy that impresses me a lot and i watched him a lot with with the illini so uh the bulls have really remade their roster really quickly and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch them again for the first time in quite a while i couldn't agree with you more uh speaking of bulls management arturis kanisravis and gm mark eversley what else do you think they'll do in free agency because we know that that is you know there's a decision on him salary cap rise and daniel tice who i thought was their best defend he's good he was clearly their best defender from the interior last year do you think one or both of those guys will come back uh, what else do you think the bulls will do this offseason free agency well i don't know i think a lot of that depends on what happens with lonzo ball tonight and uh yeah what if they're going to add a top tier player to their starting lineup, they're going to have to clear a fair amount of salary space. So uh, I think, I think a good bet for the first guy to go is probably going to be Laurie Markkinen. And then once you get him off the books, that kind of opens the picture up to a little more of like where they can cut, where they can find that cap space. I, I think it's a really fluid situation. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to say what's going to happen. I think they, they have a lot of options though. And they have, they have a lot of flexibility because the money they'd be looking to move off isn't necessarily, you know, starting roster guy money. So I, they can move a lot of bench pieces and add to the top tier of their roster. I just want Tice to stay. That's all I want. I just want, can we give Tice, <laughs> yep. can, we keep, can we keep him with nothing else, please? He was such a big, a big, you know, help, you know, defensive wise for the Bulls. Now let's go on, let's go to the ice, Brad, um, since we have you here. The, the Blackhawks, you know, they, they signed, they traded for the Jones brothers. They gave Seth the, the contract extension. Mark andre Fleury, you know, announced over the weekend that he is in after, you know, the trade for uh, the Golden Knights. He wasn't very happy about that, but he is going to play. So what do you think the chances are for the Blackhawks, you know, this upcoming season? You know, can they be like a playoff team? Well, I mean, in the NHL, like half the teams make the playoffs, right? So <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Anybody, <laughs> pretty much yeah. it's, you know, it's not like old school baseball, but uh, 
you know, I'm not overly optimistic. I think Flurry's a nice ad, but when a guy is uh, hesitant to come, you you know, you have to question what version of that guy you're going to get. I, I, I think Seth Jones is a really nice player. Uh, it's a mighty big contract he's got there, though, and and you know we'll we'll see that they just they just got out from under that Seabrook contract so bringing in another another defenseman that's taken up a big uh, portion of the salary cap in a hard cap league you know it ties their hands a little bit going forward but I overall like Seth Jones I like the addition of him I just don't love the contract and in a hard cap league it's kind of hard to separate those two things right and in baseball it's easy to say well I love this guy and I don't like the contract, but who cares? There's no cap in the NHL. It's a hard cap. So, um, you know, I, I think the Blackhawks still have a, a ways to go and, and, you know, with Seabrook's uh, money off the books, which is great. Uh, you're also losing Duncan Keith, who is, you know, a, a long time guy. And that's another thing that, you know, the Chicago sports fans, we, we have, you know, hearts for these guys. And, and when you lose a guy like that, it, it definitely signals the end of an era. So, you know, we'll see with the Blackhawks. I'm not overly optimistic. Maybe they can squeeze in. I, I don't think they've done enough to make themselves a, a, one of the, the Stanley Cup contenders, though. Last moment, too, with Brad Robinson from WBBM News Radio here in Chicago, right here on Second City Sports. Sid Lakina with you. Last question from me, Brad, going back to baseball, let's uh, go back to the Cubs. Uh, manager David Ross is at the helm right now. It depends on what the Cubs do in, in the next offseason, too. Do you think that David Ross would be the manager to lead the Cubs into this transition in the next couple of years, or do you think it'll, we'll see a, like a Ricky Rittaria type of situation? Well, I think with uh, a lot of the guys from the 2016 team now gone, you know, except for Contreras and Hendricks, everybody's gone. So um, I think they'd like to kind of see what David Ross can do without that buddy aspect of mm-hmm. the roster, right? You know, now you're going to be bringing in guys that, yeah. that don't know David Ross from the next manager. You know, they don't have the long-term relationship. And I think they want to see kind of how David Ross develops those guys and, and how he works there. I could definitely see him, you know, if, it, if he speeds up the window a little faster than they expect, they could very well say, well, this is the guy that we always thought he was. This is our guy. We want to keep him on for long-term. If things really stall out, maybe they make a change based on pressure, but they still very much believe in David Ross as, as a uh, top-tier Major League Baseball manager. They just haven't really given him the tools yet to show that he's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going to be very interesting. So last question for me, I want to talk about Zach Levine. You know, he's doing very well over in Tokyo in the Olympics right now. He ha- he, did, he, ma- he did an interview with Brian Windhorst. He said he wants respect when it comes to his contract extension. So do you think he and the Bulls can work things out? You know, there are some people that said that maybe he might go to one of the L.A. teams since, he didn- since he's from L.A., you know, He's, you know, apparently he's also said that he's, you know, he and KD, Kevin Durant have become pretty close. People are already talking about maybe he'll end up going to Brooklyn, which I don't know how they're going to do that because they, they have the room for it. But what do you think what, what's going to happen with Levine, you know, after next season? Well, that's a really good question. And I don't have a good answer for it. <laughs> I mean, if we follow NBA trends, right, the best players team up. That's that's just the way the league works. It's, it's worked that way for the last, you know, 20 years. Um, so I could definitely see him, you know, wanting to chase a ring somewhere else. We'll see how it goes. Maybe he develops a really good rapport with Vooch and they become a, a really solid one, two punch that gives the bulls a legit championship, uh, uh, opportunity, you know, who knows, but, uh, uh, 
yeah, I don't, I, I don't see them coming to a big contract extension before the season, unless they have to do a lot of financial maneuvering to make additions that they weren't expecting, or, you know, maybe weren't able to shed some salaries here or there. And, you know, it, it's all just about, you know, moving within the cap. But if I'm Levine, I'm waiting until after the season to sign any kind of deal and, and then making my own choice on my own future. So I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if a, a long-term deal gets done before he becomes a free agent because he's unrestricted after this year. So mm-hmm. if you're a player, aren't you waiting for that? Of course. Yeah. I would. Yep. Yeah. Heck yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Zach Levine. Thank you very much. That was Mr. Brad Robinson from News Radio 780, 105.9 FM here in Chicago. He's a sports reporter and anchor. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Robinson, the number eight, correct? That's correct. All right. You follow, follow him there. Brad, thank you very much for hopping on the program once again. Great job. Uh, let's do this again soon because I believe good times are here for Chicago sports fans. <laughs> very good. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Brad. You All guys right. stay safe. All righty. Once again, that's Brad Robinson from News Radio 780 WBBM and 105.9 here in Chicago. Lakina, since we have these uh, last couple minutes left, let's talk about the Chicago Cubs. I know we didn't give our opinions out, and I think Brad brought up a couple of good points. That's why I asked him the, the question about David Ross. We're going to see how he manages this team now because this team is in transition, and it's going to depend on how GM Jet Hoyer rebuilds this roster now. And um, we got into it in our last episode, but I kind of like the trade, the, the acquisitions that they received from the White Sox and that Craig Kimball trade with Cody Hoyer uh, as a you know relief pitcher and uh, Nick Madrigal, who's not going to play this year due to a torn hamstring. But Nick Madrigal could be a future leadoff hitter for the Cubs, and Cody Hoyer could be a future closer, but he's definitely a solid piece in that bullpen. Remember when the Cubs had that uh, hot streak uh, in the month of May going into early June, their bullpen was tops in Major League Baseball in terms of ERA. Now that you're rebuilding a little bit, Cody Horry can lead that charge. Yeah, I think that, that those are both good, very good acquisitions. And also, too, some um, some context here. Uh, Craig Kimball you know, said he didn't want to leave Chicago because apparently one of his kids is going through a medical issue right now and he wanted to stay mm-hmm. You know, close. So if he had to get be traded, you know, let you know trade me across town. That's what ended up happening. So it actually ended up working out for both sides. Now it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how long will it take for the Cubs to rebuild? I mean, I know Chad Hoyer was making the rounds on sports radio, saying that look, look, we might, you know, these guys might be back, you know, next season. I don't know how you're going to do that, but you know, again, sort of like lip service, if you will. But and look, you're not going to be able to be able to sell a two, three year rebuild with Cubs fans. You just aren't going to do it. So mm-hmm. if you're, you know, your best bet is to hope that they can be eligible, that could, they could be contending by 2023. That way you can wait a year and you'll know, mm-hmm. see, you know, how the market is. And, but also like Brad said too, your baseball might be on, you know, there might be a work stoppage next after next season. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to play the you know, part and all that too. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes, but I think the future looks bright for the Cubs. It's just going to be a matter of when and how everything kind of kind of maneuvers. As I said during the interview, for this the rest of this season, perhaps most of next season, whether there's a work stoppage or not, let's hope not for a work stoppage, but whoever's on this roster right now, they're going to be learning on the job, just like the White Sox did a few years ago, just like the Astros did a few years ago. So uh, tough times are ahead, but as we talked about before, Lakina, you, you, you're in year two of the new Cubs television network with Marquee. 
how much longer will Cub fans invest in watch in watching this uh, rebuild transition, whatever you want to call it? Because if you're if this lasts longer than two years, uh, most Cub fans which will check out. Yeah, and, and, and go. Of course, support the Sox, but you know they'll they'll go elsewhere and do something something else productive with their time. So uh, this. Uh, assuming they don't do anything dramatic as far as free agency is concerned, uh, this is going to the rest of this year, perhaps next year as well. You're going to see some guys learning on a job coming up north. Yeah, and that's the one thing you do not want if you're a Cubs fan. So I think if you're at this point, you, you better see if you can perhaps maybe contend and perhaps you'll have some money to spend after next season because if not anything longer, you're not going to be able to buy it. And you know, when it comes to when the Cubs are Cubs fans, you're not going to be able to buy that. Or sell that, I should say, to Cubs fans. So, yeah, you better hope that things you know look up and the financial financials work, and you know you'll be contending for you know maybe not next season, definitely not next season, but actually the season right after that because you're not going to be able to sell anything longer than that to Cubs fans. Yeah. Second City Sports, you're listening to and watching right here on YouTube at War Media, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Last topic for this segment, Lakina, let's go back to basketball, talk about the Chicago Bulls. Free agency has already started. Of course, as of this recording, uh, the Bulls have an offer on the table for point guard Lonzo Ball that's for four years and $80 million. As we reported on our last episode, New Orleans made some trades to clear out cap space for two pass matching. Now, it looks like, according to some reports, they may go after free agent point guard from Toronto, Mr. Cal Lowry. Let's focus in on Chicago. Will this deal get done with Lonzo Ball? If yes, this definitely improves this team. But assuming that the Bulls get Lonzo Ball, I'm worried about the rest of that roster looking. And we saw what the Milwaukee Bucks did in the NBA Finals. Now they're the champions. You saw what the Phoenix Suns did by getting to the Finals. You got to have the right pieces to go around these stars. You just can't plug in just any old player. It, it just doesn't work that way. Assuming that the Bulls get Lonzo Ball, that's why I asked Brad the question about, will they, what's up with Thaddeus Young? What's up with Daniel Tice? I hate to say it, Daniel Tice may not come back here only because he may be priced out of, by, out of the market. I'm with you, Lakini, if, he, if he's not back. I want him back, but I think the domino effects will fall if the Bulls get Lonzo Ball. My, that's why my thinking is, is that the Pelicans are going to match the deal because real people real need to remember that Lonzo is a restricted free agent. So the mm-hmm. Pelicans with some of the moves they made you know, beforehand, they can match. And there's also rumors, I think you mentioned it earlier, said that they may do a sign in trade with Lonzo, you know, have him sign the thing, you know, sign the offer sheet and then trade him to perhaps the Celtics, you know, to, you know, to get Kimba. They might, you know, they might do that. I know some people said that maybe they might, Go, you know, go for Kyle Lowry to a sign and trade there. You'll send ball mm-hmm. to Toronto. So there's a lot of unknowns here still. And I, I think I know there's some, you know, the rumors are there is supposedly mutual interest between the Bulls and Lonzo Ball. But again, you got to make the financials work. And, you know, the Pelicans are the balls in the Pelicans court, basically. And I just don't see them perhaps they may, you know, try to, you know, trade ball so they can get something back for them instead. I just don't think that's gonna. I, to me, I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think that you know he's gonna be a bull. So that that leaves some money for them to play around with, which is probably a good thing because I think I want Tice mm-hmm. back. I want you know the other. I want you know Troy Brown Jr. back if we can get him back. I'd rather get those guys mm-hmm. back and perhaps maybe try to get a veteran point guard like a Deontay Murray or maybe do a sign and trade with Lowry. I know Lowry 
wants to play for San Antonio. So, and that's probably a better mm-hmm. fit for him. Maybe do a sign and trade with Lowry and then maybe try to get Murray back in the trade. So there's still a lot of, you know, a lot of unknowns here with this whole Lonzo Ball situation. Yeah, as I said in our last episode, Derek Rosa, uh, if you uh, are a fan, I know you are a fan of soap operas, but if you're a, good, uh, a fan of a good story, a great comeback, uh, that would work in terms of storylines. But in terms of basketball, Derek Rose, um, in at his this stage of his career, he needs to be on a championship contending team, whether it's the Lakers. He may get on there for a veteran inception. We'll see. But uh, he needs to be on a playoff team, a team like Denver or Philadelphia, or teams like that, they are closer to a championship. Uh, as we asked the question in our last episode, has anybody asked the man himself if he wants to come back here to play? <laughs> Seriously. There seems to be some mutual interest there from some of the stuff I read over mm-hmm. the weekend, that there is definitely some mutual interest between both the Bulls and D-Rose. And like, like we said in the last episode, D-Rose wouldn't have to do much. He's the one, he would kind of be like that veteran presence that this mm-hmm. team needs. So... I, I think, look, who who knows what would happen there? But again, you, you never know. I think, um, look, you know, we know AK and Eversley kind of work like behind the scenes. So there might be, you know, crafting a mood that might be coming out of nowhere. We don't know. So, look, I think all of these rumors are just just that rumors until we get an, an official, mm-hmm. you know, pen to paper if Woj or Shams, you know, if guys like you know those guys don't report it first. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, treat all of this as just speculation at this point. Yeah, another m- m- move that's that's being speculated right now is we now go around free agency a little bit, uh, wrapping up this first segment. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, they acquired Russell Westbrook. Now, Talon Horton Tucker, who's from Chicago, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, the Lakers need shooters. And one name that was brought up over the weekend I was listening to LA Sports Radio is a hometown guy, Mr. DeMar DeRozan, who should have made the all-star team last season. Do you think he'll be a perfect fit for the Lakers? There have been there were rumors about you know, they may try to maybe maneuver some money and reunite him and Kyle Lowry together in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Again, this is just you know another rumor, but yeah, I mean I think they need shooters. Lakers do, especially since they gave up a lot of their guys to get Russell Westbrook. I think you're probably going to need maybe a veteran guy like a DeRozan. So you know we'll we'll see. I mean like 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 I said like I've been saying. So I think all this is just speculation at this point now. Mm-hmm. If you hear, you know, we hear guys, you know, CP3, you know, declined his option, the $44 million option, player option. Kawhi declined the $36 million option with the Clippers and the Suns, respectively. You know, they're going to come back. I guess they're going to, you know, rework the money and because of the way the money, you know, works and some of the money is being maneuvered around. So that's why, you know, those options were declined. They will sign back with their respective teams. Well, well, Kawhi, well, I don't know about CP3. I mean, now you, you, do you go to the Lakers and perhaps maybe chase a ring? Do you stay with the Suns? Perhaps maybe try to see if you can get. It's going to be hard to do because you got a lot of these other teams in the Western Conference. They're going to assume they're going to be mm-hmm. very healthy again. So you don't know what's going to happen with that. You know, some other guys might be on the move. You got, you know, Dennis Schroeder. You know, please don't let him come to the Bulls. Please, please, please. I don't need him. <laughs> That's something that the Bulls don't need. Uh, we'll see. I, I know our buddy Matt Pex is excited that, you know, Denzel Valentine and at least, you know, Christian Felicio will be off the books. Yay. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so a lot of things that, that we could see happening in free agency. You mentioned Chris Paul opted out his contract to try to perhaps work out a, a, a long-term deal with the Suns. Uh, of course, Kawhi Leonard opted out his uh, deal 
with the Clippers. Perhaps he's going to say he has a, he doesn't have as many options as he did uh, uh, when he was a free agent last a couple of years ago. Uh, right now, Kawhi is going to miss the majority, if not all, of next season. So I think his only option is to sign with the Clippers because he does. Where are you going to go, New York? I, I, anything can happen, but I just don't see it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot. Do they? He's have not them? coming to Chicago, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's not coming here. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, look, it's going to be interesting where he goes. Also, to Kyle Lowry is a name that's being thrown around. Our girl Alana, she's been saying that you know the Heat seems to be the front runners, at least according to her people. I, I mean, mm. that would be you know. You know Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. That's that'd be an interesting combo if I, if I heard one. Um, you know, of course the Lakers is being rumored. I would love for him to come to the Bulls, but I think just that the financials just aren't there for him to come. He could be kind of like that veteran presence. He has a ring, so he knows what it takes to get to get that ring. So that'd be nice if if, if the Bulls can make that happen. I mean, I'd be okay with that. But again, there might there might be a lot of maneuvering, so you may not be able to do that. But I'm just excited to see how where these names, you know, are going to go. I mean, will CP3 go to go to phase? Will he go to LA? Will he go to an Eastern Conference team? I, I don't like, like I said, where the East is going to go. Is he going to go to Philadelphia? <laughs> no. Um, like you say, he's not coming to the Bulls. <laughs> That's not happening. Um, do you go, do you go to New York? Do you try to maybe see if you can get in Brooklyn? I don't know. Yeah, NBA free agency is just like NFL free agency in the offseason. They dominate the headlines, and we're just getting started. So it's going to be interesting to see what moves these teams make as we prepare for the 2021-22 season. Segment number one is in the books. Stay tuned for more sports and more fun as Second City Sports continues with Lakina's Olympic update. We have an injury to a superstar already in NFL training camp. The preseason hasn't started yet. And would you watch the Super Bowl on pay-per-view? Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sidney Brown. We'll see you and hear you on the other side. Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sidney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. Let's kick off the second half of Second City Sports looking and get into some pigskin. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> <laughs> of course, preseason. Yep. Of course, preseason action starts next week for the majority of the National Football League. I know that the Cowboys and Steelers have uh, uh, the Hall of Fame game coming up pretty soon. We won't preview that game. That's not going to be much of a preview. We're not going to do it at all. We're just going to watch it along with you. <laughs> but uh, as we know, looking at this time of year, there's always going to be a major injury or two in training camp. Um, we, as we, I mentioned before the break, we haven't started preseason action yet. And there's a big name that's going to miss between five and 12 weeks due to a foot injury. And that's Mr. Carson Wentz, the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, of course, as you well know, he was traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts early in this offseason. Now, Lakina, uh, at least for the first month, maybe month and a half, uh, the uh, Frank Wright, the head coach of the Colts, uh, he's going to be missing his uh, his stud star quarterback as the Colts will try to make it back to the playoffs. It seems to me, Lakina, as we tie this back to Chicago, Nick Foles, he's the replacement. He should be the replacement until Carson Wentz gets back. 
What are the Bears waiting for? Try to trade for him. I'll just outright release it. So Mr. supposed to go join the Indianapolis Colts. Well, the weird thing about uh, Wentz's injury is, I guess, you know, there are a pair of, like, a, I guess, a ligament, a bone, you know, rebel bone from his foot. So the, the timeline is five to 12 weeks. So he could miss maybe the, we're in, like, early August now. So he could miss maybe, he could be ready by week one, or he might miss half the season. So we just don't know. And it is sort of weird that that the Bulls, I mean, the Bears, I should say, aren't making that call to <laughs> Or making the call to the coach, you know, hey, why isn't, you know, why isn't Ryan Pace calling Chris Ballard saying, hey, you know what, uh, hmm, you want to, uh, hey, you like, hey, you know, look, you want, you guys need a quarterback, you know, Nick Foles isn't very capable, he can run that offense at Frank Wright, so let's, mm-hmm. you want to, uh, look, you know, name your price, you want to like a, a six or seven rounder or a fifth or six rounder, but I mean, look, I think if you're the Colts, do you want to try to take a chance on on Nick Foles, you know, look, he kind of, you know, held down the fort with Philly and they the, and he, you know, led Philly to a Super Bowl. So let's, you know, <laughs> let's see what happens with that. So I'm like, I'm kind of, I think they want to play it by ear. The Colts do. I don't think they want to make a, mm-hmm. make a big move like that for any quarterback, I guess. Um, Sam Ellinger, I think that's, you know, he's the working from Texas, of course, you know, you may see a lot more mm-hmm. of him. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be very interesting though, I think, because like you said, like we've been saying, you know, the, the, the range like is kind of tricky five to 12 weeks. So you don't really know how long Wes is going to be out. So you don't want to, if you're the coach, you don't want to waste a, a late round pick to get foals when you may not mm-hmm. need them. So it, it's sort of, you're, you're sort of looking at a tough spot if you're the Indianapolis Colts, because it's really going to be the quarterback, the quarterback play is going to get, you know, give you a chance to see if the Colts can win the AFC South. Once we get to our divisional previews, they're pretty much set everywhere else. So Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, the quarterback was sort of the one thing, you know, Frank Wright, you know, they, they, you know, they took the plunge and got Wentz from Philly because of the injury issues. Cause the, and some other stuff was happening to the Eagles. I think we're just sick of them. Then, you know, he gets hurt. Yeah. And now he needs surgery. And now he's going to be out for maybe a month, you know, at the, the very least six weeks. I, I don't, you're, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're in a, you're in a tough predicament if you're the, if you're the Colts right now. I think if they don't make a move on Nick Falls by the middle of the preseason, even though it's three games this year, it pretty much tells me that Carson Wentz may start the regular season on time or press maybe miss the first two weeks. So we'll have to see what happens with the Colts. Right now they have two rookies on the depth chart along with Brett Hundley. We saw that disaster when he was with the Packers. So it, it doesn't look good, but it gives those guys the opportunity to show what they got. So we'll see what happens with the Colts. Uh, as you mentioned, Lakina, we talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago, about a week or so ago. One of the Vikings assistant coaches was let go because he, he didn't receive the vaccine. Now he's allowed back in the building, but he has to wear a mask and had to work in designated areas. And there's uh, another situation that was going on with that organization as well. We talked about this before we started recording. Now, let's get to a, another team that's making news, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, uh, we talked about this on, uh, we reported this rather on the show about a week or so ago that one of the uh, offensive uh, coaches, assistant coaches, was let go because he didn't want to get the vaccine. Now that he was rehired back, he's supposed to wear a mask now, and he's only supposed to work in some designated areas within the building of the Vikings. 
Lakina, and also there was some news that uh, you was telling me about before we started recording regarding head coach Mike Zimmer. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, Mike Zimmer is not very pleased. If you guys heard the news over the weekend, um, Kellen Munn tested positive, the rookie quarterback from Boise State. He tested, I don't want to my thing, oh, test, tested positive for COVID, and you know they confirmed that to some various sources. And of course, you know, Kirk Cousins and Nate Stanley, who are the other guys in the depth chart, they're they were near him, so they're both deemed mm-hmm. high risk, close contacts. So now they're gonna they miss all weekend practice and they'll have to abide by a five day <laughs> quarantine before they got through before they can return to to camp. And head coach Mike Zinner, who is a cancer survivor, is not amused by this. Now it looks like Jay Brownie, the you know, the I think he I think he's a rookie too. Oh no, I think he's a second year guy from Washington. He is going to have to take the first team snaps because of the fact that, you know, because of the fact that they don't have a quarterback right now. And apparently, mm-hmm. I guess, according to Zimmer, that he doesn't, you know, most, some of his players, not, not, uh, they're not, they're not like in like the lower end, but they're kind of like in the middle tier. I think, I think he said mm-hmm. that about 70% of his guys are vaccinated, but there are some guys that are very hesitant about getting the vaccine. And, you know, he's not very happy with, with that, you know, with that, with that, you know, dealing, and he said, you know, quite honestly, after everything that we went through last year, I'm not surprised one bit. And he said he's disappointed and frustrated, and you know, with all the unvaccinated players. So, you know, he basically said that it is what it is. So, I, I mean, look, there's, look, there's going to be some resistance for some. We talked about it, said a couple of weeks back when this news came mm-hmm. out. I, I guess if you're a Vikings fan, you know, a lot, a lot is expected of the Vikings this year. It's better that this happens now instead of in the regular season. I mean, you're hopefully we won't see this. This won't be a trend. But again, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you think, Sid. It's, it's, and also, too, the same thing's happening with Ron Rivera, who's also who's also a cancer survivor, and he expressed mm-hmm. his frustration with Washington. You know, unfortunately, the Washington football team. So, unfortunately, they're in like the lower end of the players that are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So and he's frustrated, really frustrated about, you know, players you know, being hesitant or you know what have you. So it, it's just a hopefully this won't lead to a big mess and hopefully maybe you guys will get vaccinated. But, you know, what, what do you think about all this, Sid? Yeah, and of course, don't forget about Cole Beasley uh, and yeah. his comments about the vaccination and wide receiver from the Buffalo Bills. And we talked about it in our last couple of episodes. Of course, I Going back here to Chicago, I believe the Bears uh, roster is 85% vaccinated. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I read that somewhere yeah. la- late last week. Last week, so they're they're okay. But as far as the teams that are not met at the threshold yet, there's going to be a lot of peer pressure among players. And some coach, I know most coaches are vaccinated now, but uh, among the players, we know that uh, things that they talk about in the locker room, they could get heated. And and the locker room is a very uh, diverse um, room full of uh, different ideas, different backgrounds and things of sort of that nature. So you're going to have very different opinions about it. But at the end, I think the players, they're, they're on the fringe. They'll get it because uh, you don't want to let your teammates down. And also, too, as we talked about this before, if you're a player that's on the fringe of making the team, if you didn't get vaccinated, because we, we know that 25 to 30 percent of these contracts in the NFL are are only guaranteed. So if you didn't get the vaccination, if you're on the fringe, you may get cut. So those guys that are on the fringe that's trying to make the team, they're feeling the pressure already. And so will this trend continue? Who who knows? And 
uh, how big does this get? Because if you're the NFL, you don't want this to turn into a big problem, especially now that even though it's preseason, we didn't have it last year. Fans are going to be returning to these stadiums to watch these games. And so if you're in the NFL, you try to uh, contain it as much as possible. You don't want this to become their big story. Well, and also, too, with the with the rule that they may have to forfeit, especially if it involves an unvaccinated player, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to give them a little bit more leeway. If it is you know, a vaccinated player, they'll give a little bit more leeway, probably work out some scheduling. But you don't want to be the reason why your team loses a chance at the division or a playoff spot because, you know, <laughs> look, the NFL is not going to make you make the players get vaccinated because, you know, union and stuff like that. But again, mm-hmm. if you're the reason why your team lost or your team you know does, you know doesn't get in the playoffs doesn't win their division or doesn't get that first round by of course you know only the one only one team can get it if that forfeits the reason why you don't want to be that reason so i think cooler heads will prevail i think some they're going to take extra precautions i know some guys who are kind of like hesitant of getting the vaccine i think will probably get the vaccine i think the numbers will change i think I think the number was what I think of all the NFL players, they think that was about 70%, a little over 70, 75%, might be close to 80 right now. So I think that number will go up by, I would give it maybe like the middle of the month. That, that number will probably get close to 80, mm-hmm. 85, I think. Yeah, and that's it, what you want if you're the NFL. We all know that all the players are not going to get it, but the majority of players will, if they get it, the, the restrictions will be lifted. And let's be honest, looking at the, the players couldn't practice as much as they wanted to last year, especially during this time last year, we had no preseason games because you were practicing social distancing. Everybody couldn't be in the building. Uh, some things are back to normal, but not fully back to normal yet. So as long as the players that are on the fringe that are going to get the vaccine, uh, the quicker the things will return back to normal than what they were uh, before our last season. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. So we continue to talk about the Pitskin. Lakina, the, the Fox Sports and the NFL has released their announcing periods for the upcoming 2021 season. Tell us about it. Yes, they yes they uh, made this news early Monday morning. Of course, you know, we're in early August now. This is time of year when we're going to think about we're going to talk about the pairing, the you know, various uh, broadcast pairings for some of the networks of both college and pro football. Of course, you know Fox, you know posted there as first of course the top team joe buck troy eggman and aaron andrews this is going to be buck and eggman's 20th season together coming up and also just will be i believe this will be aaron wow like, maybe like eighth or ninth season with the team so also you're going to have you know tom Rinaldi, he'll be part of america's game of the week also christina pink she'll be part of thursday Night football number two team and we talked about this kevin burkhardt of course you know former bears and panthers tight end greg olson also pam oliver that'll be mm-hmm. the number two team also, number three, you got Adam Amin, Chicago's very own. Three-time Super mm-hmm. Bowl champion, Mark Schlereth, and Shannon Spake. She's new to the team this year. Number four, you got Kenny Albert, Jonathan Vilma, and the, I guess they're going to alternate Sarah Walsh and Lindsay Zarniak. I guess they're going to alternate, I guess, you know, depending on the scheduling mm-hmm. and whatnot. Then you'll have Chris Bears Martin. fans, get ready for that crew. Yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot It won't be the only one, but go on. But uh, yeah. get ready to hear that crew. <laughs> Chris Myers, Moose, Daryl Moose Johnson, also Jennifer Hale. That's number five. Kevin Get ready Kluger. for that crew as well. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Kluger, if you're a Bears fan. <laughs> Kevin Kluger, Mark Sanchez, who will be doing his first season calling games. And also Chicago's very own Laura Oakman will be a part of that crew. If the Bears stink at December, you may get them. 
<laughs> that's my wild card. <laughs> well, and here's well, you might see this crew too. Too apparently, um, they'll be doing these. This crew will be doing six or seven, six or seven games together. Uh, Gus Johnson, Akeem Talib, and Megan Olivier, I should say. So you're probably gonna be mm-hmm. seeing they're gonna be doing six or seven games. So I guess when the you know, Fox has double headers, and of course at the end of the mm-hmm. season, you're probably gonna be seeing a lot more of that crew. Um, look, I know Akeem Talib isn't everyone's cup of tea, but I think it definitely brings excitement to it. I think him and Gus Johnson that might be a little bit too much excitement for some people, but we'll yeah. see how they mesh. <laughs> we'll see how they mesh well together. Yeah. Also, also too. Um, yeah, so you know the Chiefs are, aren't exactly overwhelming. I know this, you know Greg Jennings and Brock Hewitt. I know, but I, th- I think Brock Hewitt will be part of the college football um, mm-hmm. announcing crew. I don't know what Greg Jennings is going to do. I know Brady Quinn is going to be with them as well. So I think a lot of those guys will probably be going to college football. So, but yeah, what do you think about this list of, of announcing crew, Sid? Uh, I, I I like it to be honest with you. Like I said, Kenny Albert and. And uh, Jonathan Vilma, they did a couple of Bears games uh, last year. And Jonathan Vilma really impressed me a lot. Of course, he was doing studio work with ESPN and ABC the, the last few years before last season joining Fox. So uh, it's another year for him to grow into that role. Him and Kenny Albert sounded great. Adam Amini, as you mentioned, Chicago's very own and Chicago Bulls TV voice. And him and uh, Mark Schiller, I gave him uh, rave reviews a couple of times last year doing our show. So that 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 they're going to be good. Maybe they'll get a, a Bears game or two. We'll we'll see as the the part of the third team. Now, me personally, I would have put Darren Moose Johnson next to Kevin Burkhardt to bring in Greg Olson for this season. Of course, I, of course, Fox had other ideas, but uh, the then number two team, I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see how Greg Olson sounds. Of course, he did some work with ESPN the last couple of years of his career doing the playoffs, so uh, he knows what he's talking about. I just want to see him call a live give action. Maybe they, hopefully they'll get that crew a preseason game. We'll we'll see. But I'm interested to see how well, how much time does it take will it take him and Kevin Burkhart to mesh. And of course, Chris Myers and Darren Moose Johnson they worked together before a couple of years ago, so uh, that they they should pick up where they left off. So the the, uh, the announcer crew for Fox this year is is still solid. Not to me, major changes. Yeah, and I think rumor too, um, Burkhart and Olsen, they did a lot of the um, that football that one football league you know a couple of years ago. Um, not not this past spring, obviously, but you know, not that last mm-hmm. one either, but the spring before. So they actually have actually do mesh well together. So we'll see what what they can do. I'm interested to see what how Mark Sanchez what he brings to the table. I know he's been he wanted to do um college football games, of course. You know, ESPN wouldn't give him the opportunity. That's why he left to go mm-hmm. uh, to go to Fox New NFL games. So I'm interested to see how he's going to be with Kevin Kluger. That's you know, Kevin Kluger is a great you know play by play guy. So I think they'll they'll do well together. Um, uh, like you said, Adam Amin and Mark Schler. I think Mark Schler is very underrated. I, you know, we've heard him on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So he's very underrated when it comes to um, play-by-play uh, analyst work. Uh, I can't believe you know, Buck Abe is going to be their 20th season together. Like, oh, good grief. I know. <laughs> now I'm starting to sound old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. You know, the time flies. My God. So, yeah. So I can't wait to see what the other – we'll see what the CBS crew looks like also to the college mm-hmm. football crews for – both Fox and ESPN. So I like this time of year. We're getting to see who's gonna, who's who are gonna be some familiar faces we're gonna, gonna be seeing. You guys that are freshly retired, and we'll see if Alex Smith mm-hmm. does he land somewhere, or does Robert Griffin III decide? Does he decide he wants to perhaps play another another um, season in the NFL? So I love this time of year. I know some people say it's kind of nerdy that for us to be excited about announcing crews, but I think look, they're a big part of the games. I know some people are, you know, kind of you know 
I think they were polarized. Some announcing, you know, teams and some broadcasters and and even analysts are polarizing figures. But I find this exciting. Yeah, I do as well. I know before we move on, uh, college football, I know it's technically now less than a month away. I know you're excited. You're a bigger college football fan than I am. But uh, I'm kind of intrigued this season since we will get back to normal. Hopefully there won't be as many games um, removed, uh, you know, being postponed or canceled like they were last year as we expected. But uh, it looks like college football is going to start on time. And we're going to get those early season matchups. I know some folks don't like them, but to get your interest like yours truly that don't watch the sport that much, we do it because we have to do what we do here. But uh, getting those early season matchups, uh, that's what uh, college football thrives off. And we're going to get that this year. I'm just happy to see that, unlike a year ago. Yeah, and also, too, with, you know, the full full stadiums, you know, again, we'll see how COVID mm-hmm. is when we get to that point. But they may, in some states, they may limit how many people can be in the stadiums. We won't see, like, the packed stadiums, but they may do, like, you know, distance and, you know, they're probably maybe have mm-hmm. to wear a mask and stuff. And I know some people will complain about that. But, look at if you want to come to the games, that's what you're going to have to do. So, yeah. And, you know, most of these colleges, including here in the state of Illinois, uh, they require their students to get vaccinated. So Smart, yeah. uh, we know we know that the majority of the, of the student body will be vaccinated. We all know all players will be yes. vaccinated. That, that's just if not if not all of them, at least the majority of them will be vaccinated. So I don't I don't expect me to be too many problems when it comes to that. You never know. But I, I, I think things should be OK for college football. And I think some schools will say, even in the ones that don't, you know, require vaccinations, they're going to say, look, mm-hmm. you're going to have to wear a mask in the, you know, in the, in the stadiums, regardless, if not, you'll, you know, you'll be removed. So, which is probably smart. I think this is sort of like a smart thing that they're doing. You know, I know mm-hmm. some people about that, oh, it's about, you know, how dare they, but like, these are free, these are, you know, private institutions and entities. So they can pretty much, mm-hmm. it's, it's up to them whether they want the look, you're looking at, you're lucky that. They're not going to require you guys to get vaccinated. So you better just wear a mask if you're not going to get vaccinated. That's what we've been saying. So there you mm-hmm. go. All right. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Let's turn to your Olympic update, Lakina. Samoa Bows will be competing in at least one more event. A couple of her teammates won silver medals for Florida Gymnastics. Team USA, the men's basketball team, looked great against the Czech Republic. <laughs> That's the, that's the, that's the best that they've looked you know, in this whole tournament. Um, they play yeah. Spain, yeah, they play Spain, and at, if um on Monday we'll have you know we'll do our Cisco and Ebert uh, recap of that. They'll play Monday night. Hopefully they'll they should advance to the semis. They'll play either the winner of Australia or Argentina. They looked really good. I, I think now Kevin Durant has is the scoring leader for, among Olympic men's hoops players so congrats to him mm-hmm. and look i think they're getting hot at the right time i think they're starting to mesh and there's no reason why they should at least make the semifinals i know that i know they have i know spain has ricky rubio and the, the gasol brothers yes paul gasol mm-hmm. you know 41 is still you know, <laughs> but there's no reason why they shouldn't win that quarterfinal so they should be able to advance to the semis into the metal metal games and again it's going to be tough but i think it's more than doable yeah, we talked about this on our last episode, and Vince Carter of the NBC uh, Broadcasting, along with uh, Bob Fitzgerald, who's a White Sox fan, by the way, he's the TV voice of the Golden State Warriors. They call him the, the Olympic Games for the men's side for NBC. Uh, Vince Carter brought up this point, and we brought it up on our last episode. 
The United States defense, their intensity has picked up these last two games with the yeah. both wins over Iran and the Czech Republic. They're getting in the passing lanes. They're pressuring guys when they bring up the ball up court. They're blocking shots. Uh, they're getting steals, which creates uh, opportunities on the offensive end. And, and hopefully that trend continues because we all know that shooting can go cold. And USA has been shooting the ball from three uh, with some consistency these last two games. Now, hopefully they can continue uh, throughout these uh, throughout this knockout round. But if your shooting doesn't get hot, you got to rely on your defense. Right now, the United States men's basketball team is doing just that. And they're, they're protecting the paint better, too, I've noticed in the last couple yes. of games. So I think that's that's important. And look, hopefully they can hopefully they can do that against, you know, against a really good Spain team. And once they, you know, hopefully once they once they win that game, you know, they can be you know, playing in Australia, either Australia or Argentina. That's who they would play against. So should be fun. And look, I think they're getting hot at the right time. I think everyone's starting to mm-hmm. mesh finally. And I think they're getting hot at the right time, which is look, I think in the Olympics, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. All yeah. Right. All right. So, um, you know, the U.S. leaves a medal count as of this recording. Um, I think I saw it's like 64, I think, right now for the U.S., even though China is in the lead in among gold. Gold, yeah. Yeah, the U.S. is still, you know, leading among all the medal count. Uh, shout out to Valerie Alma. She wins the, excuse me, she wins gold in the women's discus. And she's actually the current record the record holder in the discus event on the women's side. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's American record, I should say. So uh, I think that's the first time, I believe, that ever since the, discus, the women's discus became the Olympic event that, you know, U.S. has won gold. So good for him. Go for her. And you know, thankfully, because, you know, so far in track, they have not won a gold medal at this as of right now. So that's a, the first gold medal for the U.S. in a track and field event. So that's they want some silver and bronze, but this is the first gold for the mm-hmm. U.S. Also, shout out to Caleb Dressel, who became the fifth American man to win five gold medals in one Olympics. He joins the lights of ready for this, Sid. Mark Spitz, if you want to go back to the Winter Olympics, Eric Heighton, the first, you know, the first and only man right now to win five golds in one Winter Olympics. Matt Biondi, did that name sound familiar, Sid? And also some guy named... Some guy You're telling named, your age now. I know, oh, yeah, I know. Well, not the, I can't go that far. I remember the... 88 Olympics. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I wasn't born for the 72 nor the 1980 Olympics, so mm-hmm. don't, you know, I'm not that old, kids. But uh, also, too, some guy named Michael Phelps, who did, like, two or three times, so... <laughs> also, yeah. Too, uh, the, the, the capper in that event, you know, he... Uh, Help break the world record in the uh, men's four uh, four by one hundred meter IM, an event that the U.S. has never lost in the Olympics since you know 50 or 50 for 15 or 15. Of course, you know, not was in 1980 uh, boycott, but they're 50 for 15 for 15 for 15. Easy for me to say with a tongue twister there, but so congrats to him, to Mr. Dressel, also to Robbie Fink and Katie Ledecky, both won the men's and women's 800 and 1500 meters in swimming. 31 laps in the mm-hmm. 1500, you know, Fink came out of nowhere, like he did in the 800, in those last 50, he, you know, came right through and won gold, and Ledecky, you know, you know of course, broke the Olympic record for the 1500, which she was a Finnish champion, and so she is still the queen of long-distance swimming, and she is not done yet, folks, she already said that, so definitely running her store career. Um, Jade Carey won gold in the floor exercise, of course, she Benefited, benefited again for Simone Biles. Yeah. I saw that performance. That was a beautiful performance. It was great. She she saved it for this. That's her best event. She didn't do well in the all around, but 
She mm-hmm. said that she and she knew when she nailed it that she knew she wanted, and she was able to share that moment with her dad because, of course, with you know all the athletes not being able to have their parents, you know, her dad's mm-hmm. been her coach for a long time, so to share that moment with her father, you'll you'll see it, you know, on on Monday night in the in the NBC primetime coverage. But just a just a beautiful moment, also too well done by her. We'll see how Simone Biles does. Um, she nearly won bronze in the in the um, uneven bars. And also to uh, Michaela Skinner won, I believe, silver in the vault. So in the U.S., you know, women do very well in the, uh, in the gymnastics. Yeah, so a couple of things uh, before we wrap up this part, before we close out the show. We, uh, we have a couple more topics to cover. Uh, the USA women's uh, soccer team, they lost again. Could this be the end, end of soccer for that group? Because they got a bunch of older players now. It might be, and I, I, you know, I got a chance to watch the replay of that match. Can look really good. This is the first. This is the first. Um, the Canada's first win against the U.S. women in twenty years. So they've been knocking on the door for some time. And then we talked about it a couple of episodes back that you know, Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, you know, they're in their, they're well in their thirties now. I know I was born at just like thirty-two, but she's been on the team since mm-hmm. she was a teenager. You know, they got the experience coach, so I think that caught up with them all that inexperience also too, like the legs, you know, of the women, you know, look, they've done such an amazing job, that group, they'll be in the record books forever, but again, yeah. they just ran into a, a buzzsaw in Canada. So definitely deserved by Canada. And yeah, this could be the end of the road for that, that particular core. But yeah, but like I said, th- these things like, like this happens, of course it's disappointing, but like I said, that group of young women, uh, uh, they did amazing things for, U.S. soccer here in the United States. And like you said, they will go down the rep, uh, record books, books forever on the positive side. Now, for the USA women's basketball team, I know they had trouble in the first half with France, but they came out on top. Yeah, they got to play Australia. I know they, I know that, um, like the men, you know, the, Aust- Aust- the female, the women's uh, basketball team for Australia beat the United States when they won the exhibition game. So I'm sure the American women like, like to um, exact some revenge, but I think Tarasi is out. I think, yeah, I think she got hurt. So that oh, might that's going to be huge. That that might play a part. So we'll see. I mean, it should be a that should be an interesting quarterfinal for them as well. So we'll see. Yeah, I got more confident in in the women than the men, but like you say, we'll we'll see what happens. The men should, should they get by Spain? I think they'll be okay. Like I said, the women they did struggle a little bit. I did get a chance to check out some of the highlights of that, but I still have more confidence in them. They should be fine. Yeah, I think they should, they should be okay. Um, also, they won the um, U.S. won the silver in men's uh, in a team, I should say, team equestrian with the jumping and the you know the. The, the race, not race, but I think like they're circle around. So <laughs> that's always a fun one. Also, too, some track events coming up on both the men's and the women's um, 400 meter final, 400 meter hurdle final, I should say. So both the U.S. on um, both both the men and women ha- are content for gold. So that should be a fun one. Um, a tough break for the baseball team, though they lost to Japan seven six in the classic in extra innings. So a bummer there for them. You know they won't be able mm-hmm. to compete for a medal, but that was a fun. That was a, a nice you know, a, a nice little showcase for the baseball team because unfortunately they will not be in the they will not be in the next Olympics in Paris, but they will be they will be back for the, the next Olympics after that in Los Angeles. So Yeah, twenty twenty eight. so also congratulations to uh Chicago White Sox announcer Jason Benetti. He's calling games uh this week for NBC. And so I know Lynn Casper, the radio guy for the White Sox, he's taking over the TV side. Then Connor Manning, who's Supreme Post game host. For the White Sox, he's doing radio play-by-play while Bonetti is away. 
Also, do a shout out to uh, Robert, Robert Quinn's uh, younger sister, Jasmine Camacho Quinn. She won gold in the 100 meter hurdles for, she represented in Puerto Rico because their, their mother's mm. from Puerto Rico. So, and Kenny, and Kenny um, uh, what was what's the girl's name? I forgot the girl's name that she beat, you know, that she was the defending champion, but, you know, she, the winning, winning world championship day, but she ended up winning silver. But, you know, there were, you know, Camacho Quinn was just lights out those last couple of rounds. So, congrats. We'll give a shout out to, to her. And, and what she, uh, Kenny Harrison, that's what that's because she waited five years for this moment and she able to win silver. So uh, it's still a nice showing for her, but also to a, a Quinn uh, mm-hmm. showing that, you know, that Robert Quinn is not the only athlete in that family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Last topic for the show before we close out. Did you catch the article over the weekend from our good friends at Offline Announcing? It was regarding the future of the Super Bowl. John Skipper, who's now working with Dan Lebitar for the, let me find it here, for the Metal Lark Media Group. Of course, that's uh, Dan Lebitar, former ESPN personality. He has his show independently run through that company now. And in this article, they were talking about uh, bringing up the idea, could we watch the Super Bowl on pay-per-view in the future? And John Skipper has some thoughts on that. Looking, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Uh, I, I know that DirecTV, the NFL Network is now on Hulu, but I know DirecTV has exclusive rights still to the NFL Sunday ticket. I know if it opens up to these other cable outlets, they'll bring them more money. I don't know if that's going to happen right now, but we already pay money to watch uh, these games on these uh, cable networks via your uh, cable package. Uh, if you have the basic or the exclusive sports package, you know, there's all these tiers yeah. uh, to watch <laughs> sports. And as I said before, and a shout out to Carmen DeFalco of ESPN Radio 1000 here in Chicago. He said this a long time ago. If, uh, and shout out to, well, I know, just like you, Lakina, not to sound sexist, but I know we have some hardcore female sports fans as well. But if it wasn't for cable, men wouldn't have it. If it wasn't for sports, men wouldn't buy cable. <laughs> and, that's the, and, that, and that's the truth. But we also talked about this before. Uh, we're in, the, in the age of social media and in the age that the way that we watch television is just totally different. We just don't watch it on television anymore. We stream our sports through our mobile apps, through our laptops. And so uh, people want any options. I keep saying it. I'll keep on saying it because uh, the the times that we're living in right now. But I call me crazy, Lakina. Stranger things have happened, but I just don't see the Super Bowl, which is the number one television show in America over the last 20, 25 years, reaching over 100 million viewers. viewers. I know CBS com- with their streaming service combined with their over-the-air uh, broadcast, they reached, I believe, close to 95 million last year. It's the first time it's been under a hundred in terms of the Super Bowl in a while, but the Super Bowl is the number one show in America for the last two decades, perhaps two and a half. I just don't see why you you're ruining that business trend and putting the Super Bowl on pay per view. I just don't see it. It's not gonna happen. I don't know where what made him say these things. Where oh well, you know. They might put you know on a streaming service. Now, now I can see that putting that as an option that maybe like you know they mm-hmm. like what CBS did last you know this past season with Paramount Plus. They did p- put some of the you know, access to Paramount Plus. They might I see people doing that, 
I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's gonna look. People are gonna pirate it like they usually do with all this other stuff. They're gonna find a ways to do it. But again, you people need options. And look, these networks know that yes, there are more people cutting the cord, and yes, there are more folks using streaming to watch their favorite shows or movies or what have you. But the tried and true fans are gonna want to watch sporting events on television, and you make more mm-hmm. money with like the Super Bowl by putting it on television. And so, look, yeah. as long as it gets over 80, 85, 90 million, I think networks are still going to keep doing it. I don't know what his, you know, his mindset is for this. I read the, I read the interview he did. I, I just think that I understand why he said it, but <laughs> it, it just seems like weird, like off the cuff. Like most people are not going to pay. They're going to do pirate it from their friends, their family members, you know, passwords mm-hmm. or what have you, you know, and, and, and people, and some people brought this up and it's, it's true. Boxing, you know, stop started stop becoming start stop becoming mainstream once it went to a more pay-per-view exclusive, mm-hmm. you know. That was during the late eighties into the nineties. Yeah, and that's what killed boxing. So there's no mm-hmm. way that the NFL is gonna use this, you know, have it on pay-per-view when they can easily get 90, 95 million on the television. Now I can see it maybe being an option, you know, if Fox or whatever streaming services that they have and once ABC gets the option sure they'll have it on ESPN Plus or Disney Plus or whatever. But again, mm-hmm. like you said, people need options. And I just, you know, people have been saying this for years that, oh, it's going to, it's not, it, you know, it's not the Super Bowl, it's going to be the World Series, it's going to be on pay-per-view. If the National Basketball Championship, the, the college, you know, football playoffs are going to be on, <laughs> on the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing this for like the last like 15, 20 years. It hasn't happened yet. So and I don't think it's not going to happen now. So I, I just think that it's just a little bit silly for him to say these these type of comments. But and also commercials too. I mean, th- th- no, you're not. And what are you going to put all these commercials? If, if, especially if these companies are still willing to pay five, six million to have these commercials for a thirty on, second spot <laughs> on television. You're not going to be able to get. You're not going to be able to do that on the on a pay per view stream. It's not happening. So. I just think his comments are a little bit off base, but I might be I might be in denial. But what do you think, Sid? <laughs> you pretty much took the words out of my mouth, and of course, towards the end of the article, uh, I forgot who wrote it, but uh, uh, a lot of these networks, Fox, CBS, NBC, will have a lot to say about it too. Yes, all those networks have streaming services, but if you put it exclusively on those streaming services, you leave the broadcast TV out in the cold. That's just not. That just doesn't make common business sense. It just doesn't. And like you said, like, you know, will we see all those commercials on that pay-per-view? Probably not. Like you said, you're paying between 5 and $10 million for a 30-second to 45-second spot. <laughs> that just doesn't make common business sense. So, you know, maybe something along those lines may happen 20 years from now. But right now, I just don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen, Sid, I think. It's it just like you said, it doesn't make any sense business-wise. I mean, especially if you're going to. If you're a company, if you're Coca-Cola or Apple or Samsung, are you going to pay five to ten million dollars to have your commercial, you know, come here in the Super Bowl on, on pay-per-view? You may have to pay even more. So that's not no way. You got it pretty good on the TV side, the linear TV side. So that's not going to happen. You're not going to get a hundred million people to tune in to to watch on pay-per-view. You're not going to, you know, how much is it going to be? It's going to be about what sixty, seventy, nine, ninety-five. No, that's mm-hmm. no way. Forget it. <laughs> Forget it. Forget about it. I know he's very like savvy, but he's he's totally off base when it comes to this. I mean, if you're like like you said, Sid, I mean CBS, Fox, 
ABC, ESPN, also NBC, they're all going to have something to say about mm-hmm. it. So, look, if you want to stream it, like if you want to stream it on NBC, NBC has it this year. Are they? You know, I'm sure they're going to have it where you can you can stream it on Peacock if you don't want to if you don't have mm-hmm. if you don't have if you're a court cover if you don't want to put watching on NBC. They'll have that option. So as long as people have options, people will watch the Super Bowl. They're not going to watch. They're not going to pay eighty or ninety, a hundred bucks to watch a pay per view a Super Bowl on pay per view. It's not happening. Not in this economy. No. On that note, Lakina, <laughs> what are you looking forward to this week before we close out quickly? Just the, just the Olympics, you know, real quick. Just the Olympics, you know, you got the 400 meters, 400 meter hurdles. Um, you know, they're finishing up. You know, you got the basketball. Hopefully, both the men and the women for the U.S. will have good performances and advance into the medal rounds. And yeah, and also to the baseball. Well, I want to see what the White Sox, what the White Sox do. Can they kind of keep up? Also, some of the matches that we have, we didn't get a chance to talk about it for. For baseball, um, you know, the, the, the Rays looked really good this weekend. Yeah, they, that's what the Red Sox, they sent a message. <laughs> they, they said, oh, no, no, no. And the pitching, it was a pitching that kind of that caught up. You look, you were saying that you weren't a big believer of the Red Sox because they're pitching. Mm-hmm. Rays, the Rays just blew the doors off the Red Sox pitching. Yes. So <laughs> now they're one to have, now they're one to have up on the, uh, the Red Sox in the division. So I'm interested to see if Tampa Bay can keep it up. They got Seattle this, you know, for the early part of this week. Seattle looks really good too, so we'll see how how they look and how, how they keep it up. Yeah, and also too, um, we talked about the the new Cubs, the the, the former Cub players on their new teams. Of course, Chris Bryant um, had a couple of hits on, in Sunday's win over the Astros. Javi Baez made his debut last Saturday for the Mets, had two monster home runs. Of course, mm-hmm. Anthony Rizzo's been tearing the cover off the ball as a member of the New York Yankees. So I want to see how those three former cup players, uh, how the, can they continue to make an impact like this uh, with their new teams as the playoffs push uh, is getting started and is getting heated. Also, too, also too, you got a World Series preview coming up. You got the Astros and the Dodgers. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to be watching. The, too bad it's only a two two yeah. game set instead yeah, of three or four. That that's been... the only thing that's disappointing. I know, right? So no low loss to me. Baseball, what so... are you thinking? Yeah, right. It's good. But it should be fun. Look, you can look. You can stream it via your computer or whatever devices that you have. So you can mm-hmm. definitely check out that matchup. That should be a fun one. Uh, like I said, a, a World Series preview, perhaps, maybe, maybe not. You want to check it out? You'll see. So that's what I'm looking forward to. What about you, Sid? Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, the uh, the uh, couple of out of market baseball series. Of course, the White Sox can they continue this hot streak uh, before they play the Cubs? at that Holy Cathedral we call the dump next weekend. Uh, so you have three uh, games against the Royals. For you White Sox fans who have, who have a chance to go out to those games, please do so. Tickets are going fast, so you know where to get them. Go to their website for more information. You know where to get them. They're, they're inexpensive. They're affordable. The, the, the team needs your support. They've been getting it, getting it already. They're, they need your support some more. So for those that haven't been out to a Sox game yet, please do so before the playoffs. They need your support. They've been getting it. Uh, they could use some more. So if you haven't had a chance to go out to a white size game yet, please do so. All right. Absolutely. So on that note, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. One, one last reminder, the two jerseys that, that are um, hanging up behind me, for those of you watching on YouTube, and for those who are not um, they're listening exclusively on uh, the podcast. I have a Frank Thomas Southside City Connect 
jersey and I have a Tim Anderson softball like jersey. You can check out those images on my Twitter and my Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S I D K I D A zero. That's S I D K I D A zero. You can vote on which jersey should I wear for this upcoming Saturday's game between the Cubs and Sox at Wrigley. I'll be, uh, be in attendance for that game on Saturday. Which jersey should I wear? It's that simple. Frank Thomas or Tim Anderson? Put your vote in the comments right now. Uh, Frank Thomas has a slight lead, but all you Tim Anderson fans who want me to wear the Tim Anderson jersey, please vote on Twitter and vote on Instagram at CK80. Vote, voting closes this Friday at 11 p.m. Chicago time. Once again, voting closes this Friday at 11 p.m. Chicago time. So get those votes in on my Twitter and Instagram page. All right. Also, too, you can follow the shows on War Media at WARR Media. On Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So, you know, the new episodes drop every week, every Monday night, and every Friday night on YouTube. Also, every Tuesday and every Saturday on the audio side. That's, you know, on Spotify, Anchor, Google, iTunes, iHeartRadio app, pretty much anywhere where you get your podcast. So, yeah, <laughs> just, just pretty much everywhere. So, you can pretty much, there, there's no escaping us, folks. Also, to give us a five star mm-hmm. rating on the, on the Apple. That way we can get some make yes. a little bit of money doing this. <laughs> yes, we we need it. We appreciate your support. So that's War on Anchor on the audio side and on the podcast side. Also, you can follow us on social media. <coughs> excuse me. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WAR Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. For Lakita, I'm Sid. This has been Second City Sports. Enjoy your your week, and we'll see you on the next edition of Second City Sports, and we'll have a major show announcement perhaps as well. For Lakina, I'm Sid. This has been Second City Sports. Until next time, go Sox and holla!